You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Christmas Eve, I'm gonna, we are going to have the reading in a moment, but I just wanted to start by um, talking through a little bit of a, a story. Uh, Judy's communion led perfect into this. Does anybody know why? If we don't know Jesus' exact birth, um, we do know that he was born because our whole calendar system is based around him before Christ. We know he died and we know when he died because of the uh, festivals that were on at the time. But we actually don't know the exact date of when he was born. And does anybody know why we choose the 25th or the season of December? If, 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 you, if I was to ask individuals what they'd heard, there'd be many different stories of why we celebrate the birth of Jesus in December. But there is one particular story that... uh, Well, there's a couple that a lot of scholars agree are a combination of why we choose the 25th. And I was reading through them in preparation for this sermon and one really stood out to me. Um, Yeah, it really just gave a depth to Christmas Eve and I want to share that a little bit this morning where we got the dates, 24th and 25th, to celebrate Jesus' birthday. The story is actually about um, during the time where the Roman Empire, missionaries were going out and obviously telling people about Jesus. And some missionaries were sent to Northern Northern Europe. And uh, if you can imagine back then, 2,000 years ago, under Roman Empire, going to the northernest most places of Europe is not the funnest calling. I guarantee some of the people that was thinking about, where do you want me to go, God, and share the gospel? And he said, where it's really cold, a little barbaric, Roman Empire, a little scary, a little dark, I want you to go there and uh, share the light, share the gospel. And so these northern missionaries went to northern Europe. And it was everything they imagined. A little barbaric, as it is under the Roman Empire, dark, very cold, and really difficult. In fact, it's hard for them to find any joy in that situation, in that culture, until winter solace came, December, around December 21st, where the place seemed to have an element of joy. And of course, it was a pagan festival at the time where they would worship or pray for the sun to return. Because on the winter solace, it's the longest night and the shortest day. And so solace actually means the sun comes back or the sun stands still and then returns. And his early missionaries saw the joy that this festival brought. And instead of judging them, they didn't know any better. Instead of starting a war or, or, or even just having a go at them and their beliefs, They told him a different story. And I'm going to ask Judy to come up now and remind us of the story that these missionaries shared with these early, early Northern Europeans. Thanks so much, Judy. Okay, darling. So Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18, the birth of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Glory to God. Beautiful. Thank you, Judy. Can I, can I just be turned up a little bit more, Lee? Just want to make sure I'm coming clearly across. Um, they gave this account. They gave this story of Jesus being born. Uh, in the chaos, in the mess, these early missionaries shared this story of Jesus. They wouldn't have known it. They wouldn't have heard it. And they told him that after 400 years of God being silent from the Old Testament to the New Testament, a baby had been born. Born into an extremely dark night. A messy time in history. And he was going to bring something new. He was going to bring the light. And the reason I explain this is Christmas happens every year, as it turns out. And quite often we forget how dark and how messy and how chaotic and strange the birth was and the time in which it, was, which it happened. We are, and there's nothing wrong with this, but we disney it, I say. That's, that's, let me explain if you don't know what I mean. We disney it sometimes. And I'll show you a picture, which is up on the screen. Let me explain this. We forget what was actually happening around this time. For one, I've never seen farm animals behave like they do in the pictures we see. I don't know, I'm not a farmer. And they don't, they look and smell like, they look like they would smell clean. Animals, farm animals don't smell and look that clean. The translation for stable is the same word that actually could be cave. Could it actually be we have a cave around back which we keep animals in? We can use that. It's not going to be that warm. It's in a cave or a stable. It always looks so cosy and warm. It wasn't warm. One of the things I notice, I always laugh at, is um, how relaxed Mary looks. And we know she's a fantastic, amazing lady, mother of Jesus. But she had just travelled in chaos, unable to find accommodation. I can imagine her saying to Joseph, did you book it? Did you even ring ahead? It will be right. And look, I haven't experienced birth myself, but from what I've observed in the last few years, it's not the most pleasant moment. It's amazing, it's a miracle. And my wife didn't look like full of energy and radiant moments after. Not only that, 
We once had visitors drop in unexpectedly the day after we had, I think it was Belle. She wasn't that happy. <laughs> Let alone smelly shepherds the day after, surrounding her and her newborn baby in the cold, in the mess, with animals that stink. They stink. They're shepherds. It's not clean. There's no detail. And look, he's the saviour, but why does he always glow? That's not normal for babies to glow. It didn't look like this, is all I'm saying. Not only that, but the wider darkness, the wider mess that this child was born into was that Mary and Joseph were already just coming after public opinion was pretty weird about them, pretty strange at the time. There was rumours. She went away for three months to visit her cousin and help her and then she comes back pregnant. Imagine what they're saying. Then they leave. It's too busy. Shortly after, this deranged king that has proclaimed he's king of the Jews, Herod, hears about the king and then goes after them wants to kill them. And so they become, get this, they become refugees as they escape shortly after this event. Not only that, evil kings, evil empire, the Roman Empire has oppressed the Jews and everyone in it. It's a scary time. It's a dark time. Like I said, God hasn't spoken or seem, seemingly stayed silent for 400 years. Jesus is born in the middle of the darkest night, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the chaos, something significant happens. A light comes. Something is happening. Charles Spurgeon, well-known theologian, says it like this. The tension, a finite and an infant, eternal and yet born of a woman, almighty and yet hanging on a woman's breast, supporting a universe, and yet needing to be carried in the mother's arms. King of angels, and yet the reputed son of Joseph, heir of all things, and yet the carpenter's despised son. This, not particularly this, although that's nice, don't get me wrong, this message was given from the early missionaries to the northern Europeans. As they claimed a pagan festival and said, you don't understand, that's nice that you worship the sun, S-U-N. But we have a truer truth. We have a deeper story. Not about a massive gas ball in the sky, but God, the sun, S-O-N, who in the darkest night brought light. A truth that is spelt out in Matthew 1.23 that Judy read that says, a, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and now call him Emmanuel. God with us. A truth that God became one of us. That God is with us. Simple but profound. As we sit on the eve of Christmas... As we reflect on our year, as we reflect on the way, <laughs> reflect on this world, and it's very weird. It's been a weird year. It's been a very dark year in some places and sometimes. 
For some of us, it's been a very lonely and scary year. And our planet, yeah, you just have to turn on the news. It's pretty strange out there. As we reflect on the chaos and maybe the dark places in our own life, we are reminded this is exactly the place God works. In fact, so entrenched is this idea for the early Christians of the darkest night on Christmas Eve that they would sit around as a community, the early Christians and their families, and they'd sit around and they'd read passages together. One of the passages which Neil covered a couple of months ago, so I won't go into too much detail, but they would sit around, imagine this, gathering everybody here, all the kids in, and reading the genealogy of Jesus. Now, some of you are being very polite and thinking, that's interesting, but that's the most boring bit to read to your kids. If you haven't read it, it's, it's fantastic. It shows you where Jesus came from. But seriously, sitting around going, come on, kids, Christmas Eve. And then such and such was the son of such and such. And then such and such was the daughter of such and such. And, and pages and pages of that. Why did they choose to use that reading on Christmas Eve? Because as Neil explained, if you weren't here, we do podcast our sermons and go back and listen to that in depth. But the genealogy is actually rich with the people that it mentions. Let me list some of the people briefly that this verse they used to read on Christmas Eve talks about. It mentions uh, a lady named Tama and Rahab, both prostitutes. The, the, The writer is telling us that God has worked through prostitutes, and not only that, that they're actually mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. It mentions Bathsheba, or mentions her husband, in a reference to Bathsheba, the lady that David had an adulterous relationship with. Again, she gets a mention in the lineage of Jesus. It brings up the exile in Babylon. It highlights that the darkest times in their history, God was working. And then it talks about David, the king that came but not the king that was promised, the king that foreshadowed a future king but it references his undoing under his own lust. Mentions others, but what a weird bunch of people to read to your family and kids on Christmas Eve. The reason they did this, like the early missionaries, because they know that in the wacky, in the weird, in the broken, in the dark, in the mess, God is with us. Even where we don't think he would turn up, especially where we don't think he would turn up, he can and is working. I love Philippians 2.5.8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though who he was in form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likenessness of men, born into the mess, found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death 
on a cross. God is with us. So I know the question you may be asking, what does this have to do with me this Christmas Eve, Steve? Well, as I was preparing this message, a couple of scenarios, a couple of people, not people with names, but scenarios came to me and I I just want to share a couple of scenarios that could be in this room and will hopefully also be in this room this afternoon. Scenario one is you only go to church on Christmas Eve and Christmas and you're here today and welcome, fantastic. You're a Christian, even you might say I'm a Christian. Again, welcome, it's great to have you here. Maybe you think, and I don't know you, but maybe you believe that God is there, but he's distant. He's somewhere out there. He exists. You know he probably came as Jesus, but doesn't really care about the intricate parts of your life. Maybe you believe he doesn't care what happens Monday. And so every year you come on Sunday and celebrate it because it's important to you. But you don't know if he's actually part of the cares what type of coffee you buy or who you say hello to at the shops or he even sees you. This story, the Christmas story, is a reminder that he is there. That he does work through the intricate moments of your life. In fact, his whole purpose, the whole Bible is leading up to him trying to get closer to you. Coming from the heavenly realm, born as a baby in a messy, smelly manger, not in a temple where you'd think God's son would be born, not in a castle where the king should be born, not even in a nice hospital, but in a dirty manger because he wants to be part of the mess and strangeness of your life. If that's you this Christmas, do not leave this morning without considering that perhaps Jesus wants to be more than the distant God in your life. Number two, maybe you've been dragged here. This might be applicable to tonight more than this morning. Maybe someone has, I don't know what they've done to get you here, but you're here in church this morning. You've been dragged along, fine, I'll come. That's okay, welcome. And maybe you look around and you go, I'm not a church type. I'm not as good as the people around me. Maybe you don't believe you're as good or sinless as the people that brought you. Dare I say it, maybe you look around and go, they look a little straight and a little boring. I apologise. Sometimes myself and us church people can forget that we are sinners as well. Don't let us get in the way, if that's you this morning. God is bigger than that. In fact, throughout history, he uses non-churchy types all the time. Shepherds, as Neil spoke about last week. Mangers. All the time. It almost seems as he enjoys using the underdogs, the odd, the broken, the poor, the repentive sinners, 
the ones on their knees. We've just spoke about, if you've been with us, through the Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, the persecuted. In fact, you may just be the type of person, the, the exact type of person, that Jesus wants to work in and see come to life through him. If, you, if that's you, if that's stirring in you, even if it's not your exact story but you, you relate, please, this Christmas Eve, consider that you're the exact, <laughs> exact amount of broken that Jesus would love to work in. Maybe you're a church person, which probably is more relate, related for this morning. Maybe you're a regular church person and you come, but just like Neil finished on last week, you have areas of your life that God's not permitted into. Do you know those things when you say, when someone says to you, can I pray for you? And you say, you have in your head three different things. And you go, oh, I won't mention that one. I won't mention that one. Oh, that one's a good one. I need to pray more. And we leave the other two. Or at least that maybe might, by the looks of your faces, maybe that's me. But there's things that we sometimes don't want to let God into, into our life. It doesn't matter if we've been Christians for two or five or 40 years. There's things that God is doing. The Christmas story says God wants to be a part of that too. Not just the good stuff, but the dark stuff. Give an example, because it would be unfair for me to challenge the church for me. When reflecting on this year, as I was writing this sermon, I thought, I've got to, if I'm going to preach this, I'm going to take it on. God, what would you have me, what would be one of the things you'd have move in me next year? And for me, if I'm honest, it's my criticism, my critical thinking for a 31 year old. In church world, it can be tough. Um, the world can be tough. Australian culture is very critical. And for me, I felt like God say, lighten up. Let, let me carry the burden. And you could do with being a little less critical at the ripe age of 31. Don't go down this path, because if you keep going down it, you'll just be one of those cranky old ministers, which you guys don't have. So it's been fantastic. You've been blessed with a very, not an old one, but a very joyful uh, minister in Neil. But some churches haven't. And a guy felt God say, don't go down that path. So that's me next year. I want God to work in that, that mess. It's not fun to say. Perhaps you have something that God wants to come into this Christmas. In, in the busyness, perhaps there's something God is saying, I want to work on that next year with you. Please consider that this Christmas Eve. And lastly, maybe you're sitting here and none of this applies to you. Maybe you've heard the stories every year and you know what you believe. You know Jesus and you've already experienced his light, then let the early missionaries challenge you. We live in a world that is changing. Maren spoke a couple of weeks ago about Big W calling their Christmas trees now. Well, it went Xmas trees. We got rid of the Christ mass. And now it's seasonal trees or holiday trees. And our reaction as Christians is to get them. Sometimes we, we want to defend our Lord. But like the Northern Europeans, they don't know any better. We need to show them Jesus. 
We can't tell them or battle them or fight them to put the Christ in Christmas. We need to show them the Christ in Christmas. And so if none of this applies to you this morning, please be challenged this Christmas season to be the Christ in this Christmas. Show people the love. Like the early missionaries who didn't start a war over their beliefs, rather said, no, 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 let me tell you something truer. Forget the sun, Christ is the light. And we took over their pagan holiday. We won that one back. We said, we'll claim that. And for every, nearly every year for the last 2,000 years, we've had Christmas. Be the Christ in Christmas this year. No matter if you fit into any of these scenarios this morning, whether you even know why you're here today, no matter where you see yourself with Jesus, take some time over this season to consider the very best present under the tree. Take some time to unwrap what Jesus is saying, what he is doing in your life, even if it's a little messy. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing another song.